asked Michelle, I said, you got a good song? She said, I think I do. She did. Amen. She did. That was a good one. Appreciate that. How many of you knew the, knew the song Miss Susan was playing for the Penny March? Brother Johnny said he knew half of it, right? He knew half of it. He didn't know about the home and glory land that outshines the sun, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. God is good to us. Proverbs 30 tonight, if you would. Proverbs 30. So we're gonna, we'll finish up Proverbs this year and move on to another book of the Bible on Wednesday night. But I want to begin verse number 11. I want you to pay attention to the uh, first four words of each one of these verses. The Bible said there is a generation. Verse 11 says, there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Let me say this, is that not the generation we're in? I mean, verse 11 through 14 gives us a look at what the future holds according. Now, th- again, think about this. This is what the, the writer of Proverbs is saying. So it is prophetic, as we learned in the first couple verses, that it was a prophetic uh, proverb. But now you and I are looking back, so it's not really prophetic because we're seeing all that. And so it is more of what we are actually living in in our present time. Now, I'd say probably in every generation there's been some of that. Uh, even among us, we look and think uh, my generation probably we thought we were more respectful to our parents. And I'll guarantee you, if you talk to your parents, they knew they were more respectful to their parents. And so in these four verses with the repetition of the words, there is a generation is looking to the future because it didn't say this generation. It's saying there is a generation. And then you go over to the book of Matthew, chapter 23 and 24, uh, Jesus refers to this generation. And so in, the, his, uh, in his day, he was referring to this, that generation there. So the generation in Matthew 24 to 34 surely must be our generation that, because even in Matthew, he's talking about prophecy. He's talking about days to come. And we look at things and we would definitely say that we're talking about this generation, we may, honestly, there may be another generation that comes behind us that's worse than this present one. I don't know how that could be, but I guess it could happen, couldn't it? And so what is the description of this generation? Well, first of all, in verse 11, it is a defiant generation. Notice the Bible said in verse 11, there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Well, I know the Bible tells me that I'm to honor my father and mother, right? Uh, It tells me that this is right in the Lord's eyes. It's the right thing for me to do. And so it tells me that naturally uh, that a child should love their parents. And even as we get older, I mean, it's amazing to me how quickly uh, as adults we're willing to kind of cast off our parents, even as teenagers, right? It's like, well, my parents don't know what they're talking about. And uh, this world is putting that mindset into every generation. And so in that defiant generation, it deals with two things. First of all, natural affection. It is natural for a child to love his parents. 
I mean, you think about this, when a baby's born, uh, that bond between a mother and a child is a natural occurrence because that mother takes care of that child. And that child should see their father as a protector and a provider. And there is a natural affection or a bond between a child and mother and father. That's the way it is. So what is it that would sever that natural affection? Well, it's satanic. It's the flesh, right? It's our enemy. It is evil for a child not to have natural affection for their parents. And it is evil for them uh, to rebel against their parents. Now, they'll... Kids say, well, I want to do my own thing. Well, that's fleshly, right? I mean, and then as we get older, we move farther in that direction. And so people that do not love their earthly parents will not love God like they should. You say, preach, you can't say that. Sure can, because Jesus even said that. He said, if you won't love what you do see, you can't love what you can't see. Amen. Amen. And so young people, let me say this. You say, well, my parents are out of date and out of style and they don't know anything. Every generation thought that. I thought that about my parents. Well, they knew exactly. You'll hit that age about, oh, 23, 24 years old, and the light goes on, and you go, huh, they knew a lot more than I thought they did. Right? I mean, mankind has not changed. You look from Genesis all the way to now, we've pretty much been the same. Now, the sin may have changed its face, but men are sinners. And so defiance comes from pride and rebellion. I'm going to tell you, teenagers, young adults, people, my, you do not know more than the generation that's ahead of you. You just don't, right? Well, I know more than my parents do. No, you don't. I know more than my grand. They forgot more than you know. I mean, let's just be honest. You, do, you don't have the life experience to determine how ignorant they are, right? And so what comes is that defiant attitude or that defiant spirit and what it breeds is rebellion. And uh, I know this, the Bible said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, you'd not, you would not ever participate in witchcraft, I would hope. Well, that sin of rebellion is the same caliber as witchcraft. And so we, we find it, we find it the, the world says you need to be your own person, your own man. You don't need to conform to rules and regulations. You should have autonomy over your thoughts and your body. And, and uh, you, you need to be your own man, your own woman. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. And that breeds a rebellious spirit. Well, that comes from a nat losing that natural affection. In the book of Romans chapter 1, the Bible tells in the last days that, that men are going to lose that natural affection. And so not only a defiant generation does not have natural affection, uh, they rebel and are defined against natural authority. Yes, sir. Now, now, here's the thing. You say, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, Abigail was kidding with me one day. She said, well, you know, Daddy, I didn't choose to be brought in this world. I said, well, you can choose to be taken out of it. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean the, this worldly philosophy is like, well, I didn't choose to be here, so you have the responsibility. Well, here's the thing, young person. You could be born to a family, a mom and daddy, that don't have you in church on Wednesday night. You could be born to a mom and daddy that don't care where you end up. 
They don't care what you look at. They don't care if you end up uh, in some uh, illicit relationship when you're 12 years old. They don't care if you end up on the street. They don't care, but, but they want you to be their friend, right? They don't, they don't care if you dress like the world. They, they don't care what you do. And so the mindset is, well, if they trust me, I want to say this, I don't trust you. And it's not personal. I know this. And as a teenager, as a young adult, you've got flesh and hormones. Amen. And it takes, it takes a spiritually mature person. And I listen, you put a grown man, a grown woman in the same situation, they're going to mess up. So what you ought to do is understand that God has put some boundaries in your life, some authorities in your life to protect you. And then if you won't accept that authority as a young person, you're probably not going to accept it as, a, as an adult. And let's be honest, Brother Jerry, we're living in a generation that uh, they didn't accept the authority as a child, and now we have them as adults, and this world's gone crazy. And so defiance against parental authority is not natural. It's not natural, it's demonic and fleshly. And if, if you're defying against parental authority, you'll be defying against all authority. Right? If you won't, if you won't live, and here's the problem, ready? Kid, your kid rebels, and you, they're two years old, three years old, you give them whatever they want, do whatever, they can act however they want, and uh, they, they don't listen to your authority. Then they go to school and uh, the teacher's against them and other kids against them and everybody's against them and then you go down there and fix that because they're treating my kid bad and I just can't have it. You ever thought your kid's the problem? If they're not going to listen to you at home and they're not going to listen to the teacher and they're not going to listen to their pastor, they're probably not going to listen to the police. And more importantly, they're probably not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Oh, you just don't understand. Oh, I do understand. See, and, and all the way back in Proverbs, we're getting that, that warning that eventually a defiant generation will be defiant against God. All the mess we're seeing today, let's be honest. It's a defiance against God, but it didn't start when they were 20, 30, 40 years old. It started when they were that tall. So he's warning us that there's a defiant generation coming up and that generation will lose natural affection, won't care a thing about it. Listen, I understand that sometimes, right? I understand sometimes that, that, uh, that, you can't, uh, that you can't take care of parents as they get older. Right? I understand that. I mean, I, medically you can't. But, but it's amazing to me that uh, some people have parents that other people have to take care of because they're too busy. Amen. That's good preaching. Well, you just don't understand my schedule, preacher. I got I got I got my home, and I've got I've got my work, and the kids they're involved in travel ball, and they got all this stuff, and I just don't have time to go take care of my mother or my father. You know where that started? Started as a young person that thought they were owed something by that. That's good preaching. Now let me warn you about something. If you do that. When you get to that position where your kid's going to have to take care of you, they're not going to take care of you. See, that defiant generation has lost natural affection, natural authority. They, you, know why, you know why we have such problems, Brother Jim, with this generation? Listen, and I get it. People can blame everything in the world. You can blame COVID. You can blame the government. You can blame society. But here's the problem. 
You know why people don't come to church? You know why we've had to change everything to get people to sit in the pews? Because they were not taught. They were not taught to respect authority. So like, I, Pastor, you can get up here and say whatever you want to. Listen, you know why kids now, you got to have 47 uh, youth programs and they'll come. Listen, you go axe throwing, they'll come. You take them to a youth revival, they don't have time for that. You want me to tell you why? Because you hadn't made them do stuff they didn't want to do. So you know what's going to happen? They're going to grow up and be adults. And if you, have, if you have Thanksgiving lunch, praise God, they'll come to church for that. But you have prayer meeting on Saturday night. I don't have time for that. Preacher, you got to quit preaching that hard stuff because I just don't like it. I want to go somewhere. I want to come out of church uplifted. I want to be uplifted when I come. I want you to preach to uplift me. Well, I'd say this. The more we live the Bible, the less it offends us. We don't like the authority of the Word of God. So there's a defiant generation. Number two, in verse 12, there's a depraved generation. Bible said there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. So think about this. Remember, you go back just a few books of the Bible and the Bible talks about men doing what's right in their own eyes. Well, we're there today, right? And so that depraved generation is a generation without respect. You say, well, what's the difference in that and, and uh, authority? Well, Here's the thing. People do what's right in their own eyes. Doesn't matter what the Bible says. If the Bible helps me do what I want to do, then I'll do what it says to do. If the church gives me what makes me feel good and helps me out, I'll go to church. If my marriage gives me what I need, I'll stay married. If my job, listen, does, has uh, beanbag chairs and gives me enough benefits and, you know, lets me work from home uh, four days out of the week and I don't have to go in the office and I might stay at work, right? I mean, you think about what we have today. And again, you can, you can blame COVID all you want to, but all this was in the works before it ever got here. I, I, I just don't get it, right? I mean, it's like, well, I don't want to go to work. I want, if you won't let me work at home... Where I can play video games and get on a Zoom call every when I I'm not I'm not coming to work for you. You know what I'd say? And then you got companies saying, you know what? Now we've got to we've got to meet their demands, or we won't have a workforce. Or or you can tell them stay at home. We'll find somebody who wants to work. I mean, right? But see, when we're without perspective, we don't see the Bible said if a work man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That if a man does not provide for his family, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an infidel. Yes. We, don't, we don't want to hear all that. What we want is our own perspective. How, how do I view things, right? Now, what, what, how does it look right to me? How do, watch this, how do I feel? <laughs> right? How, how does it make me feel? Because that's, Shane, that's all that's really important, how I feel. Yes, this, this is my world. I'm just letting you hang around in it, right? If, if how I feel is not important, then I, ha- I don't care what you have to say. Yes. I, don't, I don't care what the Bible has to say. I don't care what the, the, the church has to say. They are blind to their own true condition. You know why people die in their sins and go to hell? Because they don't think they need Jesus. Right. Right. I mean, they, 
I'm good enough. Right? right? Yes. I, I, my good outweighs my bad, right? Here's the problem. See, God gave the law. Yes, sir. And when you look at the law, not the Ten Commandments, the whole, the whole law that he gave, the whole thing. Now, most of us don't even, you wouldn't know. i I'll be honest with you, I, it's not like I can sit here and t- go from point one to the, the end and say, here's everything about the law. So how are you going to keep the whole law if you don't even know all that's in it? And God's standard is you have got to keep every part of it perfectly before you qualify for heaven. There ain't no good outweighs the bad. It's not I got an understanding with Jesus, right? It's not, it's not he and I understand it. That we do, you don't understand him, he understands you. You have to be perfect to get into heaven. Well, how do you do that? Well, the only way I know, according to the Bible, Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. No man come to the Father. But you have to have his righteousness imputed on you. You have to have his righteousness as your righteousness. And Jesus Christ is the only way. And so we're living in, we're living in, I'll give you a prime example. There should absolutely not be any controversy over this Israeli Hamas garbage going on. Shouldn't. I didn't say, I didn't say the Palestinian people that are there who are innocent. I'm not, I'm talking about, I'm talking about what's, but here's what's going on. You, you've got people divided over this whole thing. Right? Well, here's what I think's right. Well, here's, here's my question. Cease, needs to be a ceasefire. Well, ain't nobody calling for no ceasefire when they ran planes in our building. Right. 9-11. That's right. We wouldn't hear that. We was going to get whoever's responsible. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, what about all those innocent children? What about all the innocent children that got beheaded and thrown into ovens? And they're not even going after the Palestinians. They're going after Hamas, the terrorist group. You say, well, I just don't think it's right. What's not right about it? See, the, the problem becomes when we elevate ourselves to think we're h- higher than we are, we don't understand that we don't have perspective. You don't have God's perspective on things. Well, I think, I feel, I believe. None of that really matters, see. What matters is what does God say? Well, I don't interpret it that way. Well, well who died and gave you the authority to inter- interpret God's word however you wanted to? See? A depraved generation is without perspective. That's where we are. I mean, who, who would have thought? Who would have who thought we would see the things that we see going on today? I didn't. I mean, we can't, we can't figure out what a man and a woman is. I mean, I can but as a generation, we're arguing about something that has already been determined Amen. by God. Amen. And it, it is a humanistic mindset. Listen to what I'm saying. When, when, you're, when you're able to say this, God, I don't think you were right yeah. in how you created me, so I'm going to determine what I'm going to be. 
You're elevating yourself to the position of God. There's this, this generation he's talking about is without perspective, but then it's also without purity. Why, let me ask this. Why is fornication, adultery, celebrated? Why is the, why is the homosexual lifestyle celebrated? Why are we even voting on whether or not to legalize marijuana? Why are we voting on whether or not to legalize abortion? Why are we, why are we voting to legalize things in this country that God is against in his word? I'll tell you why. Because we think we're smarter than God. We think that in our, in our own perspective, right, we, we've lost, we're a depraved generation that has lost perspective on what's moral and what's right, and God gives us a book to tell us what that is. And so when you are without perspective, you are eventually without purity. We're not a Christian nation. We're a post-Christian nation. Here's the problem. I understand why they are in doing what they're doing. See, we're all appalled at political leaders. You know what they do? Whatever they think they got to do to get votes. Because once they get in Washington, they're making so much money. Now I'm probably going to get in trouble for all this. They're making so much money. Not their, not their hundred and some thousand dollar salary. They're making so much money from all these other areas. They don't want to leave. So what they're doing, they're playing a game to try to keep all of them up there, Republican and Democrat. And they're saying, We're gonna, we'll go this far and we'll go this far just so this base and this base is happy. But why? we're not going to do anything. We're not going to upset the status quo because you know what? If we do, we lose power. and we lose. All this is about power and money. It's wicked. And it's because we're a generation without perspective that leads to a generation without purity. They think you're a freak if you if you hadn't lost your virginity before you get married. It's promoted. And see. Without purity, they're filthy, and they don't even know it because they make excuses and compare themselves to others. Now, now someone who is born again, you understand your filthiness. You understand your sin. You understand that, that there's none righteous, no, not one. And notice what the Bible said in verse twenty or verse twelve, it said, "And yet is not washed from their filthiness." We just sang about it tonight. You know what washes away your filthiness? Not getting baptized in that in that pool right there. Not uh, not signing a card. Not showing up for Wednesday night prayer meeting. The only thing that washes away the filthiness that you and I have of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that that's what's going to turn everything around. Not politics. Not not uh, listen. Not uh, we need to have a big rally. We need to go up and 
listen, you know how many times I'm so tired of hearing, well, just what, what you need to do is call your congressman. Here's the better one. Email them. You know what they do? Delete. God's the only thing going to save this nation. See, we're, we're, we're a depraved generation. We will not accept the purity that is offered through Jesus Christ. And so what happens is, Brother Shane, in order for us to feel, and I've said all this, and somebody would say, well, you're talking about all these people, and, you know, we, we, they need to be saved, preacher. They do. But you know why they're not? Because there's also part of that generation that has a form of godliness but has denied the power thereof. From that, we play church. We put our little memes up. We put our little Bible verses up. We come in here and chant seven times a song, right? We stand up behind our glass pulpits and our snazzy outfits and give you a little sermonette for Christianettes. Then we can't figure out why we've, why we've lost the influence and power. Yes, sir. You're right. Because the generation that has named the name of Christ now, instead of standing up and being the ground of pillar of truth that we're supposed to be, we've got to buy into this cheap grace. Yes. Oh, I'm saved. God knows how I am. So I can live worldly and I can live, uh, I can live ungodly and it's okay because none, are, none of us are perfect except Jesus. None of us walked on water but Jesus. Right? Well, you study the book of Romans and you realize that in chapter 1, right, you've got a generation that is filthy and perverted and all through the next uh, few chapters, Paul's trying to tell them that the, this, these Jewish people that are relying on their religion are, are lost, and, but there's a way to get saved, and then he starts dealing with all that cheap grace. That we get saved, but we just live our life the same way, right? That cheap grace. I, I'm saved by the grace of God. I got saved when I was eight years old, but nothing ever changed, and Jesus loves me and he's my father and we're all going to we're not all going to heaven right so we're we're in that depraved generation that we're just like well we're just you know we live for this flesh we live for self and then we try to convince God brother Barry, well I'm your child I'll give you an example now my my generation not I know the generation before. Let me ask this. Brother Jerry, did you ever get a whipping? <laughs> Miss Bonnie, did you ever get a whip? Now, I know Miss Bonnie didn't get a whip. She probably never got in trouble. <laughs> Brother Jerry, I know you did, though. Oh, yeah. Our generation and before, we didn't call it, we didn't, we didn't call it, they didn't call it discipline. They called it whipping. Yeah, right. beating. beating, right? I don't even know. That, they didn't, I don't think they called it spanking, right? It was like, you don't get a whooping. And when, it was, when they didn't add the G at the end of it, whip, whooping, it wasn't a whipping, it was a whooping. Business was going to pick up, wasn't it? 
But the idea was to make the punishment so severe that they're going, the little bit of pleasure you get from doing this thing that I'm not supposed to do is not worth what I'm. But now, you know what happened? You're going to hurt their self-esteem. You're going to hurt their ego. That's, that's what was meant to be done. Right? I mean, you guys, we just celebrated Veterans Day. When you went to boot camp, their idea wasn't to put you in there and make it pleasurable for you. Hey, would, would you like breakfast in bed? They wanted to break your will. They wanted to break you down so they could retrain you to be what they wanted you to be. Right? So we're at a day where it's like, well, you know, you do whatever you want to. You go rob stores, and as long as it's not over $1,000, we can't prosecute. Oh, you, you know, you're selling drugs? That's no problem. Oh, you murdered somebody. Well, hey, you know. So now we look at God and go, why do you hate me? I, who the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So we look at the chastening of God as hate, and we think we should be able to live any way we want to without any, without any correction from God or the Word of God. And so, Brother Eddie, if you go to church where they try to correct you from the Word of God, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about just preaching the Word. It ain't, it's not my job. I'm not your daddy, right? He's your daddy. My job is to give you the word of God. And if the Holy Spirit corrects you and convicts you, don't run out of here going, I've got to go find a place that's more uplifting than that place. Right? Brother Jerry, I, I've known your, I knew your daddy a long time, but you knew him a lot longer. When he was pastoring, was he always uplifting? Okay. I mean, we, we, we just, you know, now it's like, well, that's hard preaching. Well, that's just normal when I was growing, you know. That's just normal. Man, if you wasn't preaching on hairspray or something, you wasn't even preaching hardly. So, verse 12 talks about a depraved generation. Verse 13 talks about a disdainful generation. The Bible said there's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. And so it's a generation without humility. I don't understand how we live in a country where people are making tens of millions of dollars. Brother Justin, for playing a game. But they still talk about how unfair it is. I don't understand how we live, in a, we live in a place where, let's be honest, we all live in a house bigger and nicer than our fathers and mothers and definitely our grandfathers, yet we're saying, we're living in poverty. Right? I don't understand why we live in a, a day where just because... The next new thing comes out, we think we're entitled to it. Right? I'll give you an example. I've worked so hard. I deserve a vacation. Who said? 
Who said you deserve a vacation because you went to work every day and did what they paid you to do? Right? I mean, I can't believe I only got six weeks of vacation. They're mistreating us, right? I mean, that's where we live. I deserve a vacation. I deserve a nice house. I deserve to be happy. I deserve health care. I deserve everything. I deserve all this. Why? It's because, again, there's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. I should be getting this because I think so highly of myself. Right? So it's a generation without humility. It's haughty with pride. Think too highly of themselves. Proud of who they are and what they have accomplished. What have accomplished. You didn't accomplish it. If it wasn't for the help of God, you'd be a raving lunatic locked in a padded room somewhere. We're to... We're in the month of Thanksgiving, and I promise you this, there's still going to be people that are complaining that they're not. I see it every day. They call me, preacher, I need you to pray for me. Why? Because this is going on, this going on, this going on. Well, let me say this. Number one, if you cause the problem yourself, why are you calling me asking me to pray for it? That's good. Amen. Amen. Number two, understand that you're not on an island by yourself. We're all going through stuff. I... I was speaking out of turn. We'll do a survey. Is anybody not going through some stuff? Raise your hand, please. Okay, now I can say it. We're all going through some stuff. But you don't think, well, I'm saved and I'm a child of God. And I'm, but so what? Why does that entitle you not to go through trials? Why does that entitle you not to go through storms? It doesn't. It doesn't. And so we think that because we're born, right? Well, I didn't choose to be born. So life is so so much without value that you'd make a statement. I didn't choose, but you are. Thank God. Right? Thank God you got a family. Thank God you got parents. Thank God you got children. Thank God you got a husband, wife. Thank God you got a church. Thank God you live still in a country where we can go and worship, right? I mean, why are we in this mindset where we just think we're owed all this stuff because we breathe God's great air? It's this generation without humility, without honor. What do you mean by that? Well, Generation without honor will only do what is right for them, not what is right. Situational ethics. Just do what's right. Do what's right. Is it right to go to church? Yes. Is it right to tithe? Yes. Is it right to, 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 to love my neighbor? Yes. Right? To him that knoweth do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Right? It doesn't matter if people are watching or not. Is it, is it right to give your best to whatever you do? Right, yes. Well, don't, well, you know the boss's way, so I'm just going to kind of do what I have to do. Just going to do enough to get by. No, you're robbing your boss and you're robbing the testimony of a Christian. Everything you do, you ought to give your best. If you get up here and sing, don't get up here with them. Well, y'all pray for me. I hadn't practiced. And sit down. If you hadn't practiced, sit down. Choir, can I help you with something? If we have choir practice at four, you need to be here. Well, I already know the song. So what? So do I. 
Miss Susan knows the song. If she didn't show up for choir practice, probably wouldn't be a good idea to have choir practice. Well, we've sang that song for 20 years. Yeah, and we still need to practice it. Right? Preachers, if you're going to preach, study. Teachers, if... Watch this, ready? Teachers, if you're going to... Yeah, but they're just kids. Well, they deserve as much as this auditorium class does. Right? If you're going to run a bus route, do it the best you can. Honor. Young person, stop trying. Well, I'm just going to do what I have to. Just got to do the bare minimum. That's what's wrong with this generation. And when I say this generation, I'm not just talking about the kids. This generation encompasses everybody in here. Right? Without honor. Do what's right. Do what's right. Yeah, but the law says, but what does the Bible say? See, you got to go back to the authority part. You always submit to the higher authority. Did Jesus? He sure did. Right up until the authority contradicted the heavenly authority. I have no problem submitting myself to earthly authority as long as it does not contradict godly authority. Right? Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. That's your problem. Right? Right? So this generation is without honor. Have no regard for the Lord and what's right. I mean, let's be honest, Brother Johnny. I mean, Christians, same way. They they take this book and they'll cherry pick. This is is what benefits me the most. Right? No, no. See, it's like going to the doctor. Doctor says, hey, you gotta start eating better. You gotta start eat, quit eating all that, all that junk. Blood pressure's high. You got, you know, this is high, this high, you gotta do better. Well, I don't know about you. That's what we pay him to do. Right? I mean, I don't go to the doctor and go in there and, hey, I can't breathe. And I think my heart has quit on me three or four times. Well, I just I don't want to offend you. So just keep doing what you're doing. It'll be all right. Well, I'd hope when I die from a heart attack, Miss Ellen's going to sue somebody. Right? But then we take God's word. We'll say, "Mm, I don't like that part. I got to find me a little devotion book. (laughs) I find me one of them uplifting devotion books. When I get up, I don't want God to tell me that I'm doing anything wrong. Well, you ever thought maybe if you let God tell you doing some things wrong on the front side, you wouldn't have all the problems on the back side. Boy, I love preaching, Brother Jimmy. <laughs> Brother Jimmy, he this this was his message. He he developed it, and he this is all him. I'm just the messenger. So if you're upset, get mad. No, I'm kidding. I'll take the heat for it. And then verse 14. Note, have you noticed how these things are stacking on, top, on top of each other? So, so first of all, you have a defiant generation. They're defiant. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Next, you have a depraved generation. Then you have a disdainful, right? Watch this. Number four, verse 14, the Bible said, There's a generation whose teeth are as swords. 
Oh, we're there. And their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Finally, there's a dangerous generation. Boy, this, this generation, you know what they're doing? Here's, 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 words are powerful. You can say things like, well, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. Uh-huh. That's not what the Bible said. Book of James over and over deals with the tongue. If it wasn't a big deal, they wouldn't say anything about it. But, but words are dangerous. So you know what they do? Well, you don't have enough sense to figure out what's hurtful and what's not. So we're going to tell you. And if we think it's hurtful, we're going to censor it so you can't even hear it. Because you, you, you don't have enough sense to figure out what's information and what's misinformation. Now you've got disinformation. And before long, you'll have no information. And so this dangerous generation is interesting to me. The Bible's talking about the teeth and the jaw teeth. He uses the sword and knives. Yeah. Why? Because that dangerous generation is destructive. Yeah. It's destructive. No regard for anyone or anything. Right? right. And, and may I say this? Ready for this? I see a lot of it in our churches. Yeah, and again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We, we, we hide behind the, the facade of I'm just going to be brutally honest. I'm just going to be brutally honest because I, I believe in I believe in being honest with people. So there's no regard for anyone. I don't care if I destroy you as long as I yeah. f- I feel good about my honesty. Or brother John, here's a good. I, yeah, you know I I did kill somebody. And I did I did. Uh, murder somebody and I did I did rob that store but at least I told the truth <laughs> almost if I tell the truth that that's that's a greater accomplishment than not killing somebody and robbing somebody. you know what see what I'm saying no lying is bad but so is murder and so is stealing right and so we live in a generation like well at least I told the truth. Yeah, but you did, you did all this other stuff, right? Right, right? Yeah, you were brutally honest, but you, you destroyed that person. Yes, sir. Amen. Good and so, well, we say, well, you know what we'll do? We got a great idea. We'll legislate speech so these things are considered hate speech and that you can't say them. Well, that's fine. The problem is you had not changed a man's heart. You can change his speech and not change his heart. He's still the same uh, bigot or uh, hater that he, you hadn't changed anything. See, you got to change a man's heart. And the way you do that is with the love of Christ. And so this responsibility, there's no responsibility, no regard for anything but ourselves and, the, and our desires. And so there's no understanding of the price. You think if, you think if, if we've got all this fentanyl coming across the border. You think if, if people were honestly showing people the results, right? 
that they'd say, yeah, go ahead and give me that anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, today, I don't know that it, I mean, as much stuff as out there on fentanyl, you, you think everybody would be like, Man, I ain't get close to that. Cause, but there's still people taking stuff and dying every day. Right? I mean, you, you would think that if the consequences of sin were really laid out, that people would be like, nope, not worth it. But here's the problem. Our flesh wants what we want now. Give me an example, right? And here, here's, how, here's how deceiving Satan is and how we as God's people have embraced it in, in philosophy. How many times have you heard this? Well, I know I shouldn't, but the heart wants what the heart wants. Right? I mean, again, time out. I'm not critical. I'm not judgmental. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want us to think. How many people made the wrong decision about who they're going to marry? And their mom and daddy, and their grandma and grandpa, and their pastor said, I don't think that's a good idea. And they say, well, I love him. I love her. The heart wants what the heart wants. Right? I know, I know they're an axe murderer, but I love him. I know he's in jail, but I, hey, right? The heart wants what That's worldly philosophy. Until God's people stop saying, well, you say, well, preacher, what's wrong with that? thought the Bible said the heart was deceitful. Who can know it? The, the, the desire for immediate gratification is greater than the price. And then this generation is devouring. Only consuming no matter what the cost is. Just destruction. Devouring, right? I don't care who it hurts. Here's the problem. You can, you can have that mindset. You can have that attitude. But there'll be a day, right? There'll be a day when you need somebody. If I use Brother Shane, Brother Johnny, just for what I need, right? And I never reciprocate the love to them. And I just keep taking and taking and taking. some point in time... I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go to them. And they're gonna say, nah. "Nope, not gonna happen, right?" And he's warning us about this generation. We're, we're there. You know how many times people. I, and I, it's it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me. The expectation people have of church and a pastor. And I don't say this complaining. I, I, we got a good church and I appreciate, I appreciate your understanding. The greatest thing I can do for you, listen, is study and give you the word of God. Yes. Amen. 
Not come by and visit you 14 times a week. Not talk to you on the phone every day. I want a pastor that's available. Okay, well, I am available. But I thought it said bearing one another's burdens. And I think it's interesting. People love church and what to get out of it right up until they don't feel like the church or the pastor does enough for them. And then it's, that's sorry as church, sorry as pastor. Yeah, but what about, what about when they married you, married your kids, buried your moms and dads, you know, went to the hospitals for you? Nobody ever talks about that. Why? Because we're in a devouring generation, right? And it's not just church. It's relationships. It's jobs. It's all these things. That's where we are. Then we can't, can't understand why God's not doing anything. Well, I'll tell you, God didn't do anything because of this. It's, I'm tired of hearing people say, well, tell you what the problem with church attendance is now. It was that COVID. It's, that's over. Well, you know what it is, preacher. They got used to staying at home watching it on the Internet, and they just don't want to come back. That's between them and God. Right? right? Yes, sir. I mean, why do we make excuses for everything that goes on when it's just like, you know what? When COVID was over, y'all got up and went, came to church. By the way, it was over for us a lot sooner than it was most people because we decided we were going to come on to church. Well, I don't, the reason I'm not in church because I got hurt. So? <laughs> Welcome to the family, right? You ever got hurt by your family members? Yeah, you're going to go to Christmas, aren't you? Right? That's right. If they're going to they're throw some turkey out there for you, you're going to get some turkey. You're going to be like, well, I can stomach it for a little while long. I can get some of that free turkey. But you get to the house of God, it's like, well, a bunch of hypocrites at church. We, yeah, we, we got room for another one. I mean, the earth ain't going to open up and swallow the church because one more hypocrite's in here. <laughs> I mean, it's like we got all, and, and it's because we just think, we think we're better than we are. Yes, sir. Whenever you get to the point, you realize that if it weren't for the grace of God, Amen. you'd be in hell. Yes, you become thankful for everything, yes, and you think you deserve nothing. That's where we ought to be. Let's gather around the altar and we'll close out in prayer tonight. Brother Jimmy gave me that long message. I had to finish it up for him. I want you to remember uh, Brother Bart, Miss Debbie Lake here.